This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. That's what you are Unforgettable Though near or far Welcome back to The Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. And as we told you, if you have any Milt Schmidt memories of the legendary Bruin who passed away today at the Young age of 98, because he was, he was still young at heart, and he still had his wit about it, as you could hear in those clips we played earlier today. Uh, give us a call, 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900. And uh, we have a listener and a, uh, a friend of both Milt and mine uh, calling in right now, and that is Matt Brown of Norwood, Mass. Matt, how you been, buddy? Uh, wonderful. How's everything going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. Well, as somebody tweeted out, Milt was one tough SOB, and he uh, he was tough enough to beat 2016. <laughs> you know, all the celebrities that went. Absolutely. He somehow managed it through, and obviously he must have been struggling towards the end of this year that just ended, but he did he did last until 2017, and, um, you know, both of us had the uh, pleasure of encountering him numerous times, and and. I understand you have some memories you want to share of Milt right now. Uh, I do. Um, I remember after uh, after I did my stint down in um, Atlanta, and nine months after I was hurt, I was invited to the um, Boston and Bruins Matt, golf bef- tournament. Before you go on, I don't want to, but if you could just give a little background of uh, you know of what you've been through uh, to our listeners for those who might not know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 2010, um, I was playing high school hockey for. Uh, Norwood High, um, and I was a sophomore in high school. During the second period of a game, I was rush- I was racing for the puck as it entered our end, and um, the puck bounced off between the bounced off the boards and came back between my feet. And um, at that moment, I looked down to see where it was, and I was bumped from behind and lost my footing, went headfirst into the boards, um, breaking my neck um, at the C4 and C5 level. And becoming a, uh, and ultimately becoming paralyzed from the chest down. And since then, uh, you've gotten to know some of the Bruins family, obviously the current players, but also, you know, guys like Milt Schmidt. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about your encounters with Milt. Exactly. Like I said, I it was nine months after I um, was hurt. Um, I was up to uh, they invited us up to the international for the golf tournament, me and my mom, and up there I. You know, I, I saw a bunch of the guys, um, saw Patrice, I saw Sean. Um, they gave me their best. Um, and just as it was time for dinner, uh, we were sitting down, and Milt made his way over to me. You know, Milt found me in the crowd and made his way over to me. And and uh, I, I had never seen him play, but I remember the love my grandfather had for him. And every time we talked about him, the smile and the eyes would light up. Um, so it, it was it, it was touching to see him come over to me. But then what he said, you know, he wanted me to have the best time I could there. 
he made sure that to find him, if if everything wasn't perfect, he he let me know how proud of he he was of me, um, it, and you, you could see it and hear it that he meant it from the bottom of his heart, and that's just who he was. Uh, you know, he, he wanted to make sure I knew that he was rooting for me and cheering for me, um, and that was special. Yeah. And and it, my mom was bummed that she didn't get a picture. But the more we thought about it is that it wasn't a picture moment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a picture time. It was just, you know, just two guys with the love of the game talking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, and that is. The, I've had a couple of those, too. I was just thinking the same thing. It's funny you said that, Matt. And I was at the break, and I was thinking of my memories uh, with Milt, you know, and I was like, man, I wish I got a picture. But then, you know what? You're right. There's just those are those moments stored away in your heart and your brain, you know, that you deserve uh, to keep. And, and, and should you choose later on, like you just did, uh, to tell the world of that memory. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. And, you know, we discussed it earlier, Matt. Uh, you know, the, the closest, and it's hard to compare anyone to uh, a legend like Milt Schmidt, and we're not going to see many like that in today's pro sports world. It's just a different culture. We're not going to see a guy go across the sea to to war and come back and win the MVP. I don't. That's especially especially right in the prime of his career. Yeah, in the prime of his career. I mean, it's just like are you kidding me? But you know, if there's somebody that that has some similarities in pro sports, I, I think I'd look at a guy that I know you've become very close with uh, since your tragedy is is. Patrice Bergeron and and I I think you are you know hitting I think you're dead on with that he is I mean what what he does what what they both did you know Milt still was going around making sure everyone was having like their time and that's what exactly what Patrice does now with, with everything he does with his box with his reaching out I mean it's 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 very similar. Yeah, it is unreal. And and Matt, and how are you doing today? These days, I'm good. You know, I, I graduated uh, graduated college. I spent I lived at college for four years. A feat that I nearly crossed off my list that day on the ice back in 2010. I graduated. Um, I'm looking for a job. Uh, anyone out there hiring? Give me a ring. Oh, uh, but really, I'm but really I'm just having a I'm really just spending some time with family, especially around the holidays, so I can't complain at all. Well, we got you know, we can always have you on the radio show sometime, my friend. You're more than welcome to join us anytime, all right? You know, my friends always say I have the face for radio. <laughs> I gotta warn you though, we only pay in Guinness and Jameson, all right? Hey, both work. <laughs> hey, listen, we appreciate you taking the time, Matt, and uh that was a great story and one of many I'm sure we're gonna hear in the coming days and uh, we always hear regarding Milt Schmidt, but uh, you give your best to your family for me, okay? Tell them I say hello, and I got I got to swing by next time I'm down to see Maddie because I know she's only I think she lives just a few blocks from you in Norwood, uh, so we'll make it happen, all right? Please do. All right, that sounds good, Matt Brown. Another person uh, touched by Milt Schmidt, and what a story uh, there, Justin. I mean. That's the definition of who Milt Schmidt was. Yeah. You know, he, he seeks people out, make sure you have a good time, make sure that you're taking care of it. It was never about him. You know, no. he, he would never, ever take the credit for any of that. Yeah. You know, even when you were just listening to Bobby Orr 
try to give it to him. He's no, 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 no. It was it was all about <laughs> Bobby. You know, it, even in this those last waning months there, you know, it was always about the people around him. It was never about him. But really, a legendary guy, a legendary man. Like you said, there's never going to be a guy that pri- for, I forgot the prime of the career part that that yeah. match just brought out. Leaves in the prime of his career to go to war to serve our country, and then comes back and wins the MVP. <laughs> like what? <laughs> who who does that? Who does it's that's never gonna happen again. There's and, nobody that's going to be like Milchman ever again. It's just not gonna yep. happen. Unforgettable as we'll keep playing that for him. But uh speaking of our country, there it is. Heck of a game going on <laughs> up in Montreal. Uh eight minutes left in the second period. Uh Russia has taken a one goal lead twice in this game, and right the Americans back. have fought back uh to tie the game, and that's where it is right now. Uh two two. Uh, just over midway through the second period and midway through this game in the semifinals. Of course, Canada will play Sweden in the other semifinal tonight, uh, and the winners of each game will play each other tomorrow night in a gold medal game. Uh, we had uh, Charlie McAvoy on yesterday. Yes. You know what? We'll, um, we'll, we'll see if maybe we can cut some of that up, play that again either today or tomorrow, yeah. should, should USA advance. Um, but, yeah, what I mean, tell you, man, you hear Matt's story every time I hear yeah. a story. And I know Matt really well now. Yeah, I got yeah. to do a story on him right when it happened. Um, and I've become good friends with his family, especially his dad, Mike, who is a uh, mutual friend of mine. One of my good friends in Montreal works with Mike. And, you, you know, but you hear that. And, you know, I saw a look in your face. And you're just like, man, I don't care how bad you think your day is going. Yeah. You can't you can't have a bad day when you're talking about Milch, but just you no. Can't. But I'm talking about yeah. what Matt went through. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you, you know, like whatever your day is right now, you know how whatever's happening, just breathe yeah. and realize it could be a lot worse. And oh, yeah. you know what? Think about this a guy like like Matt Brown, or think about Milchmit. You know, I mean, I can't imagine what he saw when he was overseas fighting for us. Oh, yeah, and then he comes back and. It's just great stuff. It, like he was, he was a legend, and you know, you don't wor- use that word lightly. No, no. Uh, don't just throw that around. But he was a legend, and uh, we thank Matt for coming on discussing it. Um, you know, we're gonna hear more of that as the week goes on. I'm already trying to book some guests right now. This, this, the rest of this week on the phone. Yeah, there, there's no question. I've been be multitasking right now, trying to host the show, <laughs> watch USA Russia, and. Uh, and trying to get some guests to come on yeah. and talk about Milt Schmidt. Uh, I will say that the two I have texted already are very close to him. And they need some time. Yeah, yeah. They need some time to absorb that they just lost a really good friend. And uh, the hockey world just lost a good friend as well. Milt Schmidt, 98, passes away today. Rest in peace, Uncle Milty. We'll be back here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Never before has someone been more unforgettable in every way and forevermore that's how you'll stay. That's why, darling, it's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am 
Run with Jimmy Murphy, weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com. Map out and adventure your whole family will always remember. Disney on Ice presents Passport to Adventure. Journey across the African plains with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Fly off to Neverland with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Explore the underwater world of Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian. And trek through Arendelle with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf from Disney's Frozen. The journey begins in your hometown. Playing January 26th through 29th at SNHU Arena in Manchester. Tickets are on sale now. Visit DisneyOnIce.com today. Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy! We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. Do you feel like you've been benched or sent down to the minors? Are you paying the correct amount of child support? Let a team of experts help you out. That team is Bardis Law. There is nothing more important in your life than your kids. You wouldn't cut corners for them? Don't cut corners on your legal representation. Don't show up without your starters. Going to court without an attorney is like playing without a coach and without a playbook. Let Bardis Law get you back in the huddle so we can call the play. Call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www.bardislaw.com. Cam Rogers. According to the Cleveland Plain dealer, coaches are forced to teach RG3 or I'll say refresh his mind on these three mechanics. One, plant your back foot, then throw. Two, get down, then slide. Three, throw the ball away. Don't take needless hits from the defense. Those are three things that coaches are focusing on rather than focusing on the playbook and improving the offense. They have to pretty much reteach these basic components to Robert Griffin III. Saturday at 4 on ESPN New Hampshire. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. When I think of my youth, I remember a stage of life that's vibrant and full of possibility. The same is true for our forests. A young forest is a light-filled place rich with quickly growing trees, shrubs, wildflowers, and other plants. It may look unruly, but it provides food and shelter for a wide variety of creatures, many of whose numbers have declined in recent decades. In the past, wildfires and flooding created this young forest habitat by creating openings for fresh new growth. Today, we have largely controlled those natural processes. The responsibility now falls on us to make enough new young forests so wildlife can thrive. Timber harvests, prescribed fires, and mowing can renew middle-aged woods, making them younger and more vital. Do your part by supporting young forest projects on public and private land. Become a well-informed wildlife advocate. 
Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Radio and television have been part of your daily life for as long as you can remember, so why not make a career out of it? Visit NHAB.org, the online home of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters, to learn more about over-the-air broadcasting. Interested in pursuing a career in radio or television? Whether it be on the air or behind the scenes, many Granite State stations are looking for motivated people just like you. Visit our online job bank at NHAB.org to view current job openings and even post your resume for potential potential employers. You can also access a list of upcoming job fairs in New Hampshire as well as NHAB-sponsored events. Students, if you're studying over-the-air broadcasting, apply for the NHAB Student Broadcaster Scholarship and learn about available internships at local stations. It's easy to navigate, full of useful resources, and it's only a click away. NHAB.org, the online source of Granite State Broadcasting. For our troops and their families, the military is more than a career. It's a journey. And every step along the way, the USO is this. An experience that that soldier will never forget. That's what the USO does. From the time they join to the time they transition out of the military, the USO is there, offering programs and support along the way. It's way more than a free phone call for us. It's that opportunity to stay mom. And the USO makes it all possible. Be a part of their journey. Donate today at USO.org. hoodies and more are now available at ESPNNHradio.com Get your gear today What do you like about this team to give you guys a chance Get where you want to go, yeah. um, you know, relative to the other ones you've been on, and you know what those teams have had to, to get you. Yeah, and all those years have been different, so it's just, it's always just a, you know, that's the thing about football. You you got to put the work in every week. Just because you win this last weekend doesn't mean anything two weeks from now, and you know we'll be watching next week, and some team's going to win, and they're going to look really good, and you're gonna, oh my god, we got to play those guys, and uh, you just got to go put the work in. And you gotta put the same effort in every single day. You know, there's an urgency that really starts with Coach Belichick. He walks in every day, and you know, he says, "This is a big day. We gotta accomplish a lot of things today." You know, it's boom, 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 boom. You know, these are the keys to win. Boom, 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 boom. And the guys have to embrace those. You gotta understand what your role is. You gotta go out there on you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and practice that uh, in whatever conditions are out there on the practice field. You know, and then you go in, and then you talk about it. And you try to correct things, and then Friday, at the end of the week, you know, you put together the plan, and Saturday, you talk about it, and you review it. You know, it's just a marathon, and I think this team showed a lot of mental toughness that they can do it week in and week out at a consistent level, and um, that's what it takes. I mean, any team could go eight and eight. You know, you win one, you lose one, you win one. You know, you lose, you go. Oh, we got to get it going. You know, I think our coaches do such a great job of getting us going when we win. You know, to say, forget about last week. You know, this we got to move on. You know, that that game's over, and you know we got to learn from it, and we got to take the things that really helped us win. We got to build on those things. These types of things that we did, we're going to lose. You know, we got to learn from those. So, it's good to not have to learn from the losses. You know, so 14 and two is a, a you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. So, I think it's pretty very cool for for this team to be able to accomplish that.
And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. We got a quick update here. World Junior Tournament up in Montreal. Late second period, USA has taken the lead over Russia in the semifinals. They're up 3-2 to two right now with just under two minutes left in the second frame. We will continue to update you on that and talk a bit about that later on. Uh, played the song Rearview Mirror for the, the Patriots talk we we're going to have with Bill Burt coming up right now. And I had no idea you were going to play that soundbite, Justin, but that just shows you how in sync we are, my friend, because that just describes exactly what Tom Brady was saying. Yeah, that was... Rearview that, Mirror. That was, you know... I remember mentioning to you earlier in the week that Brady was great after the game. His post-game yeah. press conference, he had a rant. We don't practice this stuff, guys. I that, mean, that, that was good. Good that, teamwork there. That rant, that defines what this team is this year. Yeah. They're, they're not they put be- things in the rearview mirror. They're not looking behind them. Win, lose, no matter what. If You can't tell me that this number one seed didn't mean anything to them oh, this year. They, meant- they went out there. They took it. And yeah. it's, it's all about next week. It's all about going forward. And they're focused. This team is... You know, not that uh, not that any other Patriots teams aren't focused in the past years, but this one feels a little different. Yeah, this one feels it really like does. There's an edge to this. It's team like a we bit. said with John Serenades, a lot like 2003, 2004 teams. Uh, on to talk about that right now is Bill Burt at Lawrence Eagle Tribune. Uh, Bill, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's up, Jimmy? What's going on? Not much. And as I said, we want to definitely talk Patriots with you, but I'm sure by now you've heard the sad news that. Uh, Mr. Bruin, Milt Schmidt, has passed away at the age of 98. Uh, I know you've had a couple chances, maybe more than that, to to talk to him, uh, whether it be on a professional or friendly basis. And I guess uh, just your thoughts on that. And if you, you know, we're asking our listeners to call up with memories of of encountering Milt, and he was a class act. And if you have a, a memory that's gone through your head immediately after you found out the news, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, that's funny, that's the right word, but it was about, it was two, uh, three years ago. Uh, I went to lunch with Milt, Bob Sweeney, um, Brad Park, and I think that's a crew. Don Marcotte. Wow. Um, it was relating to Brad Park's tournament uh, for cerebral palsy for him and his son, uh, and um, it was after that event. Uh, we had talked about getting together some of the guys and get Milt because uh, the guy that ran the tournament and Andy Baumgartner was was close with Milt. Milt had always signed shirts for him every year. This is going back like 30 years. So I went to lunch and uh, it was I, I'll never forget it. It was as uh, as he and, and I've met him before. I met him. In fact, I was with Bobby Orr. I was around Bobby Orr once, and Bobby Orr was uh, it was before Bruins game. And uh, what struck me was you know. Growing up, Bobby Orr was the guy for me. I was eight years old when they, seven, eight years old when they won the cup, and he to, to this day is the best athlete I ever saw, and special, most special athlete I ever saw. And uh, but what struck me was how much reverence he gave towards Milt, and how respectful he was, like, like really his like his grandson, and uh, going out of his way. Uh, and I know he's done that over the years several times. Um, there was an event at the Garden, I think, two years ago. So that struck me. But this event, this luncheon was great because, you know, it got him to talk. And I, I'd ask him questions going back to, you know, 50, 60, the Kraut line, everything. And, and um, he was getting, getting into the Adams family who owned the team. And um, you want to get him. I mean, he's the nicest. He's arguably one of the nicest human beings. If you ask yeah. 100 oh, yeah. people that know him. 
that know him decently, they will say, yep, he's on my top five list tonight, this guy. But get him to talk about the Adams family. Um, oh, and he, uh, he will go a little off, off <laughs> topic and uh, take them to task how cheap they were um, when he was coach and how they shortchanged him. They wouldn't give him bus, uh, bus money, train money. I mean, it was it goes on and on and on. Uh, it was really the only, only person I ever heard him talk negatively about, but he always laughed. He had a lot of energy, even as late, even even in his mid to late nineties. I mean, he always always had a deep, hearty laugh. And uh, you know, obviously, we both know Russ Conway. And I talked to Russ earlier today. He was the first performer of uh, of his death, and um, I was sad. And uh, it's you know again because he is Mr. Bruin. He's you know Johnny Pesky. He's the Johnny Pesky version of what the Bruins had. And he really was, this was not a phony, the same as Johnny Pesky. They remind me a lot of each other. Yeah, that's stories. a great analogy. Just sit down with him for two minutes and ask him about somebody, and he will have a story about him. So uh, he, you know, will he be missed? He's, uh, he's going to be honored here, and he deserves it. His family deserves it. They were great people. And uh, I know he had an incredible relationship with his wife. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a sad day uh, among all the, the, the daily chatter we're going about right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was, uh, when I was up in Montreal living up there for a couple of years, I was there when Jean Bellevue passed away. And I saw mm-hmm. the way, I mean, obviously Montreal and hockey, a little, it's a little bigger up there than it is here. Uh, it's a religion there. But just the way the, the, the city stopped, literally, I mean, literally stopped when he died and sort of this just, you could feel it in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. in the environment, that something had happened. And, and you know, you would go in anywhere, it, whether it was to a convenience store, or a dep, as they call it up there, or a pub or a restaurant or down the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just constant stories uh, of Jean Bellevue. And I remember saying, you know, who who could I get? Really give me a, give me a good story. And, of course, I thought of Russ Conway. He, of course, can give you stories about him. But I got Milt Schmidt. And uh, he just told me stories about them playing against each other and the friendship they formed off the ice and uh, just the camaraderie they had. And it was unreal. And then we got talking about him going over to the war in the prime of his career. And, um, you know, just the fact that he said to me, I didn't think anything of it. At the time, I didn't think it was that big a deal. It was just something I had to do. And, you know, he sincerely means that. But when you're hearing that, Bill, I mean... You know what I'm talking about. You're just like, wow. Right. This guy's a little different than most people you're ever going to meet. I mean, it was – you had that feel when you were around him that he he just had this this wonderful, kind heart. And like you said, he's very witty and, and just a very nice man that, that would always take the time for you. It wasn't just because he had to do it. It was because mm-hmm. he wanted to do it. And that, that's what I remember most about Milt Schmidt. Always smiling. Always smiling. Yep. It was. It was. He was. Uh, he was one of a kind, and uh, he will be missed. And as you said, mm-hmm. I'm sure the there'll be many, um, you know, tributes to him in the coming days. So uh, we'll talk more about that on the show. But we are. We do want to talk some Patriots with you, um, Bill. And it, it's been a bit since we spoke to you. But you know, as Justin was saying, coming in there, the focus uh, on this team in the final two games, despite. You know, and no disrespect to the Dolphins, obviously a playoff team, so I, they're not by any means a pushover, but, you know, a winnable game for the Patriots if they put everything into it. And then, of course, the Jets the week before. 
they, they meant business right now, uh, heading down there, and they mean it right now. And it, I, I agree with Justin. Is just and and maybe if you picked on it, uh, picked up on it, you can describe. It. There's just something different about this team as compared to maybe the past few years, isn't there? Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. You look at uh, they uh, they've allowed 88.3 yards per game rushing. Uh, that's the best in Belichick's 16, 17 seasons here with the Patriots. And they've had better defenses than this, but not much. I will tell you, uh, I was listening to Ianis Williams, uh, cornerback in the Hall of Fame, formerly of the Rams, and he they, he was talking about the most important stat for defense. He said it's not yards, it's points. Well, guess who leads the NFL in points allowed? The Patriots, 15.6. Now, uh, I, I'm impressed uh, because this team is doing the opposite of what it did a year ago. It's actually getting better. And it's getting better as the season goes on. Last year was a rare year because, you know, if you remember, Brady was MVP after 10, 11 games. Forget about this year. He was the MVP. And then they just sort of fell out. They just fell apart. Uh, they had that bad game against Philadelphia. Then they had the bad game against the Jets. Uh, you know, crazy decisions. And then decision to go to Miami and, and basically try to run the ball so we can run the ball in the playoffs and then, you know, pull everyone in the third quarter. Uh, that was just so un like And, you know, it cost them because there's no way that Denver would have beat the Patriots in Foxborough. Everyone knows that. And, and in retrospect, in looking at what Carolina was in the in the uh, Super Bowl, Patriots probably won the Super Bowl last year. Now, mind you, they only lost by a two-point conversion. I mean, and but why did they lose that game? Let's go back. You know, you mentioned what's the difference is why it feels different. You know, Brady get is getting more time than he's gotten back probably in about two years. Mm-hmm. Also, the running game is is more is is cohesive and as probably has as much depth that we're talking the power running of Legarrette Blunt, and we got White and Lewis who can you know who can get you those those um, but sort of a, more the different yards out of the uh, out of the shotgun or a screen pass. Uh, so this is definitely a more complete team. But I go back to the eighty-eight point three yards per game. It's tougher. And this is a tough Patriots team. They went to Miami having to win the game to lock up the one seed. You know, Oakland wasn't playing until 430. So they basically beat the livid daylights out of a playoff team. And that's a tough Miami team. I'm not saying they're good because they're not. And they got a backup quarterback in Matt Moore. Uh, but they got but one of the better running backs, young, great running backs in the league. And they just uh, they got beat up. And it looked like a lot like the game in Foxborough. And, you know, I think they scored three touchdowns. It was 31 to three, ended up being 31 to 24 at one point. But the Patriots really, they're, they're tough. And I, this is the, I think they're, I think they're the team to beat. Um, you know, this weekend's going to be an interesting weekend because I, really I, the games are sort of meaningless this weekend because the Patriots are either going to play Oakland or Houston. Or if Miami were to upset Pittsburgh, which I don't see happening. So we're talking almost a walkover to the championship game, which is probably going to be Kansas City. And that's going to be a grind. And that's going to be an eight, a, you know, 16 to 10, 23 to 16, 23 20. It won't be easy. But this team now is built where it doesn't need Brady to save the day. This is a good, very good team right now. Yeah, they really are. And, um, you know, I you mentioned a great thing there in the beginning of your answer about them getting better as they go on. And I was texting back and forth with Eric Edholm 
of Yahoo Sports is talking football. He, he might be coming on a show this week. And he's we, an Andover guy, though. Andover yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. You know him. Yeah. He started out here as a. Uh, as a oh, no uh, way. Yep. Small world. Small world. And yeah, he is, uh, he's a great guy. And, you know, so we're kind of just talking, banter. And, and I said, look, I don't think he's going to get it. I, he just won't because it's almost understood what a great coach he is. Um, and a lot. And as he pointed out, uh, you know, Dallas going from last to first is a good candidate, or you got Oakland, and you just—it's likely Bill Belichick is not going to get Coach of the Year. But right. no chance. What needs no to what needs to be recognized is once again just the the I don't give a bleep what anyone thinks attitude, and I'm going to stick to my gut. I'm going to stick to my knowledge of what's going on, and, and just. Keep it in house and go ahead with what I want to do here. And the trade of Jamie Collins and some of the benchings he's done this season on defense, and the way at that time everybody was saying, "Well, this is great; they can outscore everybody, but you need a good defense." And now look what happened: Collins is gone, and and it worked. And it, it, you know, it's, this isn't the first time that's happened, but it just that to me, ironically, for me, is the turning point of the season. You could point at Brady coming back, of course, that goes without saying, but to me. That moment when everything, you know, was coming down on the defense and everybody was questioning them, and then the way they've come together since that, that's the turning point for me, Bill. I don't know about you. Yeah, this is a – and it looked – that was, you know, that happened right after the Buffalo game. I was there, and it was a dominating – that was another dominating win, except, you know, um, Collins played an awful game. And then, you know, it was after we left, we heard that the, what was really happening, that – um he wasn't talking to any of the assistant coaches. He wouldn't take any advice from anyone, uh, wouldn't take any coaching, and was basically blowing up, making, doing his own thing. Well, that cost him two touchdowns against Buffalo. Tyrod mm-hmm. uh, Taylor ran for one, and um, I, I think Shady McCoy ran for another, both on busted plays where he did, quote-unquote, do his job. So, uh, look, let's go back to, I, you know, not only these decisions, because he's made a couple others. He sat down, Jabal Sheard. Um, you know, Malcolm Brown has been benched, but let's go back to two years ago when he decided not to sign Darrell Revis, which I thought was crazy. Uh, give him 30 million guaranteed. <laughs> He's worth it. He's, well, lo and behold, yeah. you know what? <laughs> wrong again, Bill. Wrong again, Jimmy Murphy. And wrong again, everyone else. Yeah. Um, Look, because what that would have done, that would have hampered him from signing another guy, which, you know, he's locked in for, quote-unquote, another year. He's probably going to be released by the Jets. They're going to, they're going to take the, they're going to fight the bullet. But uh, that kills you signing another guy, another defender, and uh, probably hurts you in the long run in the defensive back there. So, again, my point is, in, in people hate we say it, in Bill we trust, and I say that as an area. And I, I just, I, look, it's not about being a homer. I don't know enough. I'm not there at practice. Yep. I'm not looking at practice film like these guys do. But in the end, he makes most of his decisions, if not, and I'm not going to say all of them, most of his decisions are the right ones in the vast majority. Last year, I will say I throw it on him. I think he handled the end of the season wrong. I think he blew the Philly game. I think he blew the Jet game. You know, they went overtime against the Jets, and they won the toss, and he was elected to kick. And the Jets ended up scoring yep. a touchdown. Now, if the Patriots' defense was this defense, I might have done that. That that defense a year ago wasn't as good as this one. That was the middle of the uh, NFL last year. So we're talking, and then they, then they go into Miami a little smug. We can beat Denver anywhere. Well, no, you can't. Yeah. And you get a defense. You get a lousy, a mediocre offensive line. 
You get, uh, you know, they brought in a new offensive line coach. We don't bring that up enough uh, because that has shored up a lot. Uh, the communication in the offensive line, the running game, the pass protection. There's so many things right with this team that they can withstand an injury to the greatest tight end that ever lived. Any other team would be dogged by this. Yep. And the Patriots right now, that's why I like the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, uh, because they don't need Brady to win the game. He, he probably still will and still can, but that, uh, you know, two years ago, three years ago, last year, if Brady didn't play great, the Patriots lost. That's not the case anymore. All right, Bill. Well, listen, next time you come on, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, I know you, you were recently in Cuba, right? Yeah, had a great week there. Two weeks ago, I uh, went with the Northeastern baseball team. My son's obviously junior there. The, the volleyball and baseball teams went. About 50 parents went. About 50 athletes. Let's uh, talk about it for AD, sure. Peter Roby. I'd uh, love to talk about it. Yeah, because uh, the bait, I mean. Very interesting place. Uh, third world country. I'll leave you with this. It's really hard to go to the bathroom in that country. I, yeah, that's. That's oh how tough it was. But other than that, beautiful place. But the, the, I want to hear about the baseball culture there because we hear about it from afar, but I want to hear from somebody that just witnessed it. I mean, so that'll be pretty cool. We'll get you on again next week, my friend. I appreciate it, all right? Let's do it again, Jimmy. Take care. All right, Bill Burr from Lawrence Eagle Tribune joining me here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Up next, like I told you, we've got plenty of tickets to give away in the coming days to the Capital One Frozen Fenway College Hockey event. Fenway Park is an ice rink right now, and one of the men that helped uh, transform it into an ice rink will be joining us next. He is Fred Olson, the Senior Director of Special Events for the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Management, so stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Remillard with ESPN New Hampshire Student Athlete of the Month of November with Gabrielle Masseur from Nashua North. How are you? Thank you so much. You broke Nashua North's high school across goal record as a junior. So that was obviously a really special game. We were playing against Merrimack. Definitely a really great game and it was really exciting, but I couldn't have done it without my teammates helping me out and getting the ball and feeding it to me and their support and my coaches What's your favorite thing about playing lacrosse? So I love getting the ball and transitioning it from whether it be defense to offense, getting it from the draw and just like sprinting down as fast as I can and getting it to my team. 
I really like the teamwork and effort. On here, I'm seeing some volunteer work at the Nashua Soup Kitchen. Yep, I'm involved a lot in like within my school and like sports in my community. Nashua Soup Kitchen's one. I'm also vice president of National Honor Society. I'm a leader in Titan Connections. I'm a leader in Team Titan. I'm actually the secretary of the class of 2017. And where are you looking at going to school, Gabby? I'm actually committed to play um, lacrosse at UNH. What is your inspiration to go above and beyond? My parents have always been there to support me and to believe in me, and I think that has really helped me become like the athlete I am and always reach for the stars and to go with all my heart, push to be the athlete and the person I am. So they definitely inspired me so much. That was Gabrielle Masseur from Nashua North, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. The Sports Blast, Saturday afternoon from 11 to 2, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. Well, okay, mister, <laughs> I don't want Chris Sale because I don't want to give up you on Moncada. Oh! That was before I saw Moncada in person, and he struck out every single game of his career. Happy holidays. You didn't want to give up you on Moncada. I went back. You know, we're always saying we're going to pull the tape. We're going to pull the tape. I pulled the tape, and both of you guys did not want to give up you Play on the Moncada. audio, Brian. We don't actually we don't have it. Yeah, oh, we did. We <laughs> the Sports Blast, Saturday afternoon from 11 to 2, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy! We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. Hey, American Express card members, there's never been a better reason to get out and shop small in your neighborhood. Because now through December 31st, you could earn two times your rewards when you shop small with an enrolled American Express card. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. It always feels two times as good to support local stores, and now it's two times as rewarding. Prepaid and corporate cards, cards issued by other financial institutions. The Plum Card and certain other cards are not eligible. Reward cap and other terms apply. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for soccer fans. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan is working the boards. And, of course, we continue to remember the legendary Mr. Bruin, 
Uncle Milty, as he was known around TD Garden, Milt Schmidt, who passed away today at age 98. He was, until that point, the oldest NHL player alive until this day today. Uh, amazing man, class act, and we continue to share memories. And if you have more, we'll try and get them on. If, you, if we can, if we have time, we will. But I'm sure there's going to be plenty over the next hour. We're going to go all hockey pretty much from here on out, starting right now. Uh, with our next guest, as we welcome on to the stretch run, Fred Olson, the Senior Director of Special Events for the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Management, and one of the main people in charge of Frozen Fenway right now, where there's going to be plenty of hockey over the next two weeks. Fred, how you doing? Jimmy, I'm great. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Fred, before we get into talking about Frozen Fenway and the uh, the wonderful events that are going on there right now, uh, around the actual games. Uh, you have any memories? Did you ever have a chance to encounter uh, the great Milt Schmidt? I didn't have the chance to encounter him, but I can say that I was at uh, Bruins' home opener. Uh, this, this year? year. Uh, yeah, with, uh, with Milt and uh, Bobby Orr, bringing him out onto the ice. And that was, um, needless to say, that was a long-standing ovation that the two of them received, particularly. particularly yeah, we actually, so, uh, we, yeah. we played the... Um, they did a little media scrum. Uh, I don't know if it was during the intermission or before that game with Bobby and Milt, and uh, it was just unreal. I mean, you could tell he was he wasn't doing well at that time. Yeah, you know, like you could hear in his voice, and he was breathing heavy, but he still had his wits about him, and he was cracking jokes with Bobby Orr, and it was just it, it was awesome. Uh, I had few times I encountered him, uh, just you know, professionally, and just kind of crossing paths at the in outside the rank or what have you, and. Um, just a just a class act, and uh, he will be missed. And of course, he was at the uh, Winter Classic in 2010 at Fenway right. Park. I remember seeing them there with uh, and skating across the ice with Bobby Orr. Uh, what a cool memory that was! Uh, so let's talk about this right now and what goes into that. I mean, you know, we just had the Winter Classic in St. Louis. The Centennial uh, Classic between the Red Wings and Leafs was in Toronto as the NHL. Uh, begins their celebration of 100 years. Uh, but you guys have, were you with Fenway Park in 2010 when the Winter Classic was here? Yes, I was. All right. And so so this isn't your first rodeo by any means. Uh, let, let's go back to, was that the first time that Fenway had uh, tried to, to do outdoor hockey? Yes, it was. And it was really the first time we tried to do anything on a major scale or at least in this current ownership group. Uh-huh. Uh, anything on a major scale outside of a, outside of the concerts that we had started hosting back in 2003. So really, January 1, 2010, was, you know, that was really the start of, uh, of all of our special events. And, uh, and that was an incredible, an incredible day. When, going into that, you know, and I, I got to cover that. I was with Nesson.com at the time, and I got to cover the Winter Classic last year as well. So I know that one of the main things uh, to focus on and keep track of, obviously, is the weather, the ice conditions and all that. What was that like being a part of, and you know, let's let's be real. It's kind of it could be nerve wracking. I, I just want your memories of that, and you know, heading in, kind of okay. Is it all going to come together? Is God going to agree with us on the weather here? What was that part of the process like? Yeah, I think the first time around. Well, thankfully, of course, we had the NHL here, and they had uh, two. By that point, they had two Winter Classics under their belt, Wrigley mm-hmm. Field the year before, and then the Buffalo uh, the year prior to that, the first Winter Classic. So at least we were following their lead. Uh, you know, to, to be honest, you know, we really didn't 
know any better, right? We we knew watching weather during the Red Sox season, <laughs> but but we didn't know. I mean, we we were given indications certainly by Dan Craig, uh, who heads up uh, all the NHLized yep. ranks. You know what to, what would be optimal. And uh, I mean, to your point, I mean we were we were very fortunate that day. Some, fortunate that day, someone was looking down upon us because it was a, as you recall, probably it's, it was a gorgeous day for hockey. You know, overcast. You know, upper 30s, a few snowflakes, uh, and that was that's optimal for mm-hmm. for outdoor hockey. So we really lucked out. Uh, the next week, you know, we did host our first Frozen Fenway event the next week on January 8th, and it was colder that day, but still fairly optimal with, with snowflakes and probably temperatures more like in the teens or, or lower 20s. Mm-hmm. And, and you like you go on, as the event goes on, what's been the, the worst experience weather-wise to deal with? <laughs> it was 2014, uh, this past this past time, without a doubt. Uh-huh. Uh, we had two weekends, not unlike this, this coming this coming. Uh, well, weekend and then the weekend of the 14th we had two weekends of hockey east double headers uh the first weekend we were hit with a blizzard two days before the games uh and then a cold snap and then the second weekend we actually had thunderstorms and uh, we had our first what we think is the first ever uh rain delay for an outdoor hockey game yeah and delay. You, i saw it was it was it yesterday yesterday was the media game and how did they doing that i mean that it did not look good like uh from the pictures i saw but they seemed to be having a great time how was the ice they did the, the ice was good you know we, i think this is where this is where uh we, where we've learned quite a uh-huh. bit since 2010 so you know dan craig was in charge of that rink in 2010 but we took it over you know we brought in our own rink for 2012 14 and now this time and uh, working with the same ice crew so we've built that familiarity you know i know a little bit more about ice this time around and right um and and it, it was in really good shape i mean i gotta say that the, all the media were, were, were troopers uh, yesterday and making it through that in very wet conditions but um uh, you know, there definitely there there are lessons to be learned at Fenway. You know, in terms of where does the sun shine on the rink, for instance. You know, that's something right. we figured out in 2010, but we're able to plan for it in 12 and 14, et cetera. And then uh, also, where are certain points of elevation? Uh, you know, just having a flat, stable surface is really the key, uh, and a hard surface, and to keeping consistent ice. Um, and then and then planning for uh, fluctuations in the temperature. Uh, which is what we, you know, we run a chiller, uh, which keeps the ice uh, cold, which mm-hmm. just sits out on Van Ness Street, and working all those types of elements into our, into our equations and all those variables, and working with our ice crew to either turn up the chiller or turn it down, uh, you know, it really is a science. Yeah, and I wonder, was yesterday, in terms of this current event, as we prepare for the Capital One uh, Frozen Fenway uh, festivities, was this kind of looked at as the big test run, uh, considering the weather? Yes. Yes, I'd say so. I mean, we've been, uh, and that's the thing. I mean, just personally, I, I really enjoy watching the weather, but certainly within this role, it's become uh, part of my job. And we've been watching the weather, you know, very, very closely for the last uh, several weeks as soon as the long-term forecast came out. So, I you know, knocking on wood here, uh, for this coming Saturday, I think yesterday's test was a, was a big one. Uh, today was a gorgeous day, and it uh, looks like the next few days are going to be cold with a chance of some snow. But uh, you know, could be those optimal temperatures, optimal temperatures and conditions that we had back in 2010. So you almost say it was like yesterday was a blessing in disguise, kind of to get that in before all the, the real stuff starts there. You know, to say, okay, we know we know we're in good shape here. If we can with, withstand this, uh, we're looking pretty good, and and that's good that that happened. Let's talk about all the events now. I I see it's a two week long, um, event with a bunch of different games going on. How has that grown over the years in terms – you mentioned the first one you did was right after the 2010 Winter Classic. Uh, talk to us about sort of the extension uh, of this event uh, over the years. Absolutely. Uh, so in, in that 2010 
series, we only had uh, a doubleheader, which was uh, UNH and Northeastern Women's Programs, followed by BU and BC men. Uh, and then in 2012, we started to bring in high school games, other college uh, college programs. And so for this year, it ended the same in 2014. And so for this year, we've got 15 official games, uh, eight college, seven high school. Uh, of those college games, we've got, you know, in addition to Hockey East, other Division One programs. Tomorrow night we kick it off with Army and Bentley from the Atlantic Hockey Association for D1. Uh, we'll have Harvard and Boston College women's programs next week, uh, and then Division Three college as well. So we, we do try to fit in all levels of the game. That's a big focus of ours to, to make this an inclusive event. Um, and really it's what it's what keeps this event going is, is this region um, and, and its love for, for hockey, and mm. certainly outdoor hockey. Uh, and so we're we're cognizant of that and try to uh, and try to share that experience across the board as much as we can. Interesting too, uh, ironically, that you have Army coming in. I don't know if uh, you've been made aware, but they are a leading candidate uh, to have whether it's uh, one of the new stadium series or or the Winter Classic next year. Uh, there's been a ton of talk within hockey circles that there will be a game played on the Army campus outdoors. We we have we have heard some of those uh, same same uh, rumors, uh-huh. well, but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. And you know, I think we've we've been able to develop so many great relationships within the sport over the last seven years. Yeah, uh, certainly starts with Hockey East Commissioner Joe Bertania, but uh, Commissioner Bob DiGregorio, and I'm sure if you know Bob over at AHA uh-huh. uh, Atlantic Hockey East, he's a he's a great guy. I mean, you know, hockey folks are really some of the best. They really are, and um, you know, we're so fortunate to have to have developed those relationships. And, yes, if that comes to fruition for them, great. We hope that they call upon us. I, I was know, just going to say, uh, I'm sure they're going to call upon you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to do that. You mentioned the you mentioned the Bush Stadium game, you know, just uh, Monday. <clears throat> We've had, we had many conversations with the Cardinals. Oh, that's great. Experience went. Yeah, and it's, it's great to share, to share yeah. throughout, the, throughout the business. I mean, this is about creating great experiences, you know, for the fans, for the players, for everyone. And uh, if we can do anything to give them a little bit of confidence or just a helping hand, we're happy to do that. And for our listeners that uh, don't know, too, I mean, they did have a lot of weather issues to deal with, and luckily they were able to to get it in and and really have a good game. Uh, So that was great. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners, if you could, where they can go besides here. We will be giving away tickets to the Capital One uh, Frozen Fenway uh, events on January 14th, in which our native uh, UNH Wildcats will be playing there. But uh, for all other listeners, if they want to go to some of the other events that are taking place, where can they go for tickets? All the games are listed at redsox.com slash frozenfenway. Pretty straightforward. Redsox.com slash frozenfenway. It has all the games listed, as I mentioned, starting tomorrow night, tomorrow night with Army Bentley and then yes, finishing up with the uh, the Wildcats against Northeastern on the 14th of January, which uh, I don't know if you know, but I am a 90, class of 97 alum from UNH. So oh, wow. Coach Humili and company to take a win here. Welcome uh, welcome to ESPN New Hampshire then. Glad to have you on. Yeah, we have uh, Coach Humili comes on uh, usually every Tuesday. He'll be on again next Tuesday. So that's uh, that's great. Well, listen, I am gonna be. I'm hoping to be at both, but I'll, I'll definitely be at the the 14th. So if I don't see you this weekend, maybe we'll uh, cross paths the weekend after. All right. Terrific. Look forward to seeing you. All right. Thank you. That is Fred Olson, the senior director of special events for the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Management, who is one of the guys in charge of making sure the Capital One Frozen Fenway events go. Perfect, and of course they'll never go perfect, but they're going to go as close to it as they can get because you can tell they've really put a lot of uh, diligence and research into it and built off the experience they had dating back to 2010 when the Winter Classic took place at Fenway Park. Uh, Definitely check it out if you can. 
Like I said, I can't wait to get down there and see the rink. Should be fun. Listen, we'll give you a little update here as we cut to break. So USA, uh, late in the third, uh, excuse me, no, not late, about midway through the third period, had a penalty shot uh, on Russia, and they were stuffed by Samsonov, the goalie, uh, who, by the way, in the first USA-Russia game stopped them on a penalty shot. They feed off the momentum, go the other way. Russia takes a lead on a breakaway themselves. I mean, excuse me, not takes a lead, ties the game 3-3. to And that's where we stand, just over 10 minutes left in regulation, a 3-3 game in the semifinals between Russia and USA. We will keep you posted, and it's all hockey from here on in. In our next segment, we're going to talk to Mark Spector of Sportsnet about the Edmonton Oilers who come to town tomorrow to face the Bruins, as well as maybe his Schmidt memories indeed. Stay with us here on The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Thank you.